It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we're joined by our good friends Dan and Ivan from Rover Talk to recap some of our favorite Land Rovers that sold online this year. And now, without delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the flat glass to Stephen's curved glass. I'm the two-dimensional pain of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, tonight we've got a very special uh, episode. We're trying out something uh, a little new. Uh, We're having our very good friends, uh, Dan and Ivan, from everyone's favorite uh, Land Rover uh, podcast, certainly my favorite Land Rover podcast, um, the mm-hmm. Rover Talk, uh, to talk a little bit about the Land Rover market, such as it is, what uh, Land Rovers have sold this year that were interesting, what's coming up in the market, uh, you know, all that uh, sort of business. We don't really cover that that much. And uh, I thought, what better way to uh, to start to sort of wind up the year here as we get into our uh, end of year festivities than to uh, do a little do a little chat about the market. So do you have your favorite Land Rover sale of the year picked out? Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, this is going to be a great uh, podcast mashup. This is going to be like the Harlem Globetrotters meet Scooby-Doo. You know, oh, yeah. it's 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 uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're uh, laying the foundation, building the, uh, the Land Rover uh, cinematic universe, podcast universe. That's going to be great. There you you go. know, next thing, this yeah, is the Iron Man of, uh, of uh, Land Rover podcasts uh, here that every day it's straight to... It's it's a straight to a crossover summer blockbusters from here for sure. Yeah, we're gonna take over all the Land Rover podcasts. We're gonna get their listeners familiar with us, and then we're just gonna absorb them all. It's just be one big podcast <laughs> that nobody listens to. So, all right. Well, without further ado, let's uh, let's uh, throw some uh, ninety weight in the old uh, interview machine, and uh, we'll get uh, Ivan and Dan uh, in here. Let's get cracking. All right. So we are joined by our good friends and fellow Land Rover podcasters. Dan and Ivan from Rover Talk, why uh, my uh, probably my favorite Land Rover uh, podcast. Seeing as ours is easily my third, fourth, maybe even fifth <laughs> favorite Land Rover podcast, and seeing as there's only three, you guys are definitely my favorite uh, uh, Land Rover podcast. No, no, uh, you know, no, no shade at John and uh, and the uh, Center Steer. Also love that, uh, but uh, really enjoy listening to you guys and love having you guys on the show. We here as we start to wrap up the year. Uh, in chatting uh, back and forth with Ivan earlier in the week here, thought it might be interesting to do a little Land Rover marketplace wrap-up. And uh, as you guys certainly are the uh, leading authority on all things uh, Land Rovers being bought, sold, traded, smuggled, what have you, uh, we thought, <laughs> who, better, who better to uh, to come on the show and uh, chat a little bit about that? So I've, I've challenged everyone uh, to uh, think back over this year uh, of, uh, of 20. Uh, 22 and find your your favorite or your uh, most unique or what have you Land Rover uh, that uh, that sold on the internet. So uh, Ivan, maybe we'll start with you first of all. Welcome and what is uh, what is your 
top pick for uh, interesting land over sold this year. Thank you. It's it's always fun to be with you guys. So my top pick is going to be a little bit controversial, and I know it is. But my top pick was a 2000 Range Rover 4.6 HSC, the P38, that had only 10,000 miles on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this car was sold initially on Bring a Trailer the mm-hmm. first time around because it had a couple right. of rounds. Uh, bidding closed at 80500 and something dollars. And as Dan was telling me just a minute ago, because I didn't read through all the comments on the second auction, yeah. uh, apparently the, the, the bidder did not go through or the, the buyer did not go through because there was a scratch on the bumper. Well, I mean, that is a lot of. That is a lot of money for a car that needs head gaskets. That needs a head gasket already. It does have ten thousand miles. What was a what was a, a P thirty eight new? I mean, that's got to be pretty close to the retail price of that car. Well, I don't. I, I I'd have to spec it out, but yeah. I pretty much you were in the seventy to seventy five range, Brandon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So a little a little bit adjusted slightly slightly for inflation, but still, wow, that's close. Amazing. But wait a second. Now the best part is that the scratch that impeded the sale going through. Right. Then it yes. went back on to bring a trailer and okay. it was bid up to only forty-four thousand dollars. And Ooh. it it, it remained that seller is probably like that. Oh no. That's a th- so what you're saying is that oh. is a thirty-six thousand dollar scratch on the bumper. That's yes. a thirty-six thousand dollar scratch. Yes. yes. Wow. 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 And the thing that is the thing, uh, about, the thing about that listing. Is the first time it sold, it wasn't sold during that, um, you know, we went through this period this year at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year where everybody had like printed money and right. people were paying like insane yeah. amounts for like stuff that wasn't, you know, actually worth it. And this had actually mm-hmm. sold when we had already come out of for that peak. So it was interesting to see that it had still like hit 80,000. Um, but then, as we know, it, it went unsold, but didn't didn't quite make it. So so what you're saying is there's still an opportunity to purchase this car. There is an opportunity. hundred percent. And I'm sure that you could get like a $10,000 discount for that scratch. And sure that he would be the seller would be happy to accept a $70,500 instead of 80000 I'll yeah, bet. So, and I oh, bet, man. you know, nine, 10 grand, you could probably get that bumper scratch fixed uh, pretty, uh, pretty easily. That's, that's, that's a lot of money it's, to work it's with. It's impossible. You scratch. can't replace original paint. Yeah, exactly. True. There, well, Once see? it's scratched, it's scratched. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Wow. There was a certain number of those, I'm sure, that came with bumper scratches from the factory. So uh, it could have, that could have been original to the car. It could have been original. Yeah, you never probably know. Like 95% of the examples. Yeah, fascinating that uh, that uh, it had that big swing, and I guess that you know you need at least two people that agree that the car is uh, a certain value. Yeah. Otherwise, right. you know you can't uh, you can't achieve those high prices. So, yeah. you know, for a car like that, its sole value is that it has ten thousand miles, and I don't know how they substantiate mm-hmm. that. I'm sure it's a really nice example, but mm-hmm. you know, gosh, uh, it's also sort of a polarizing model you know some people yeah. really like those cars and then other people are like yeah. you know maybe think it's reminiscent of a la forza yeah yes <laughs> it's, the issue with this one is that it was black so even to me a black p38 is like i mean there's nothing special there so yeah you really it's a, yeah it's a pretty pedestrian yeah ten thousand dollars for a car that you you literally cannot drive you know? Yeah, you like the yeah. Vi- the Vitesse yellow one? Oh, I actually owned one of those. Yeah, you did. I did. 
I did. It was a very short ownership, but it was, you know, it (laughs) kind of ran. I mean, it it ran for about a week. And then I had to spend a few thousand dollars getting some electrical. It's just electrical with the P38. I feel like that's factory spec runs for a week. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's pretty good. Runs for about a week. Uh, Now those, those yellow cars, they have a black interior with yellow piping, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they do. Yeah. The Batiste had the black with the yellow piping. And they also had a the you know, bumper bar, a, a bull bar in the front, and some mm-hmm. other stuff. And mm-hmm. they, they they were a special. You could either get the Vedas edition in uh, yellow or in red. That those are all the options you had. Yeah. And everybody says that they only made two hundred and fifty, and we all know that later or never have the capacity to count. So who knows? Yeah. Oh no, they have They're, no idea. <laughs> they, don't, they don't. Could be. They don't know. They have no idea. Yeah. yeah they yeah. did. Some were made at some point. People bought them. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I, I yeah. picked that one because I think that, that the P38, and I was in between that one and a different model that we'll discuss mm-hmm. if we have a little bit more time. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think P38s are starting to uh, grow into themselves and they're still kind of a wreck, but I think they're really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and you know what? The, and we've said this before. The people who like the P38 are really dyed in the wool. Like they love the P38. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it's the only <laughs> they love. They don't like the old, they don't like the new ones. It's a, they're they're an interesting breed, uh, and uh, you know, more, hey, more power to them, and and hopefully, eventually, all their cars are worth uh, eighty thousand uh, dollars, which is which is fun. How much do you think that's reminiscent of, or uh, or rather, is a symptom of this sort of frenzied bring a trailer, uh, you know, sort of market of early the early part of this year, and how much of it is just you know, sort of the right couple of people in the room at the right time? Well, I think in this case, it was I the right think... couple of people because this sold at the end of the year, so yeah. or oh, at right. the okay, end of. Yeah. Or of last the end year, of, yeah, last year. I don't think this one. I think this one was like what you said before. Or like, like I was saying, it's the ten thousand miles that you're paying for. Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. I think this one is. Yeah, I think there's there's a little more to it than that. And and one of those things is that those cars are of that era are starting to be collectible. So you know, you're starting to get '90s cars pick up in collectability. Mm-hmm. People, you know, are finding. Uh, unusually nice examples of those vehicles. But let's face it, you know, it's really a rare thing to have a, a good P38 that runs well and drives well. And it's a difficult car to restore. So it's mm-hmm. not like there's a bunch of people out there doing a lot of restoration work on a 4.6 HSA. So if you are one of those dyed in the wool, uh, you know, mm-hmm. self-flagellating Range Rover uh, <laughs> P38 <laughs> fans, then that's what you're stuck with, you know, either finding one of these exceptionally nice examples, unlikely that you're going to restore that car. I don't know what parts availability is like for all the interior pieces of a P38, but I suspect it's pretty sparse. I mean, that's, that's the thing with the P38. It's either a really, really good one or nothing because they, they just didn't last. It's kind of like, it's no middle. It's kind of like the early L322s. They just kind of fall apart as, they go on and the P38 just, you know, people, if they took care of them, they just rode them to death. And, and it just, really it, pioneered the falling apart after about yeah. five years of use. Yeah, really, no, the, yeah set the standard. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. other thing, like I've said too, is that I, the, I don't think these cars are old enough to be restored yet. So they're not, yeah. you know, they're, they're not at that point where people really value what they are or what they were at their, at that one point in time and are really willing to put the money into restoring. They're just not old enough. For that, right. so like you said, yeah. I don't think anybody's just starting. I think people are still kind of repairing or trying to get, you know, yeah, or repairing yeah. the fuse boxes, putting new fuse boxes in, and stuff like <laughs> that that have 
Right. No, they're the still just trying to push it through. Like, just give us another it. year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Ike, what uh, what was your uh, what was your pick for uh, this year? I'm going to have to go with the Forest Rover that uh, sold oh, earlier yeah. this year. You know, yeah. there are not too many of those cars, and it's kind of like a exceptionally zany, weird uh, configuration mm-hmm. that Land Rover. Mm-hmm. I think they made nine or twelve of them. Nine, maybe. Yeah, they made about yeah. nine of those cars. And so it was fascinating to me, one, because I have one of those examples. And the other mm-hmm. one, the other reason is it's just you don't see those come up for sale too often. And it was a it was a nice uh, example with a kind of mm-hmm. a known history. All them are all the histories of all those cars are known because there's so few of them. But uh, it brought, I want to say, one hundred and ninety thousand pounds. So at the exchange rate of that time, I think it was about two, $220,000, at that mm-hmm. at that time, I think is what that sold for. Um, and where was so that? Zero? It was cool. Uh, it was an auction house in the UK. I don't remember exactly which one, but uh, okay. it sold online. Um, and it was it was probably in the first half of 22. So it... Okay. Uh, yeah, it was it was a cool truck, and you know, it's there's nothing cooler than seeing a, a factory Land Rover with 48 inch tires on it. You know, there's this, <laughs> there's not too many of those, and it's it's just kind of a quirky yeah. example, but you know, strong money for a unusual car. Would you consider that like their take on like the power wagon? Like, is it like in that sort of vein of? Or did no, it not? Land Rover, Land Rover did make a vehicle that was their take on a power wagon, and it was uh, referred to as the 129-inch pickup, and that was yeah. sort of a competitor uh, or an idea prototype for a competitor to the power wagon. And so okay. those vehicles were more built to, uh, you know, a heavy utility or heavy industry sort of standpoint. They had uh, nine or eleven hundred sixteen tires on them. So they're uh, quite a bit bigger, both in width and length, than a standard 109 pickup. And they experimented with a number of different diesels, including like a Perkins six-cylinder turbocharged diesel. Mm -hmm. And those were built in the mid-60s when the flat fender power wagons were still being built, the W series uh, power wagons. So those are probably the ones that you're familiar with, the classic, you know, sort of military-esque flat fender style with the metal slat grille. They made those up into the 70s, and uh, Land Rover at one time thought, look, you know, we're getting a lot of uh, interested customers from the Middle East. We're selling them Land Rovers. They're also buying power wagons from Dodge, you know, to do a lot of this oiler exploration. So they did build a truck that was a prototype sort of competitor to the power wagon, a bigger, heavier vehicle than the standard Land Rover. But the Forest Rover was really uh, for specialty customers, forestry services. It was sort of meant with much, much, much bigger tires, you know, 48 inch versus 36 inch. So 12, a foot taller than even a power wagon yeah. tire what were these Forest Rovers. And they were meant to like crawl over down timber and stuff. And uh, they were built by a company, uh, Roadless Traction and Roadless Traction they uh, designed four-wheel drive conversions for tractors. So that was kind of uh, the impetus for doing a Land Rover conversion, making an exceptionally capable Land Rover that had, you know, wider axles and huge tires and, you know, really had a a cross-country capability that the standard Land Rover didn't. You know, nothing really roadworthy would have that sort of 
capability that something on 48 inch tires would. But so it was a factory approved conversion, you know, but they made very few of them. There just weren't that many specialty customers that were clamoring for this sort of sort of car that, you know, had the cross country capability, but maybe wasn't a forestry tractor, like couldn't, you know, really be a log skidder because it wasn't heavy enough or didn't have, you know, I wasn't built strong enough to be a log skidder. So it was kind of this weird, um, you know, it was high mobility Land Rover, but it wasn't uh, a, a big industrial tractor. So right. it was, it, they made them in limited numbers and uh, only for a short period of time. But it, from a historical perspective, it's just a, a very striking vehicle. You see this vehicle and it's just, it's enormous and crazy yeah, and cool. just weird looking. Yeah, super neat. Am I right? So, I did like uh, the uh, Highlander. If uh, one uh, Forest Rover owner meets another, you have to duel to the death to absorb their power. <laughs> Is that yeah, I think I think yeah. they start out with like a hundred examples, and there's only nine left. Yeah, there's so only nine left now. Yeah, eventually there will only be one <laughs> complete Forest no. Rover, as there's only enough parts now for one working Forest Rover. So yeah, you know, yeah. interestingly, the the parts scenario for the Forest Rover is is a, is a fascinating one. Um, the uh, they were built from sort of forklift parts. Yeah, forklift parts, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the axles are like a heavy duty forklift. Kirkstall Forge is the company that made the axles for the the Forest Rover. Uh, contrary to a lot of people who think they were like Studebaker, Studebaker military truck axles, they were made by this company Kirkstall Forge, which is kind of an obscure one. They they started out in the like Middle Ages making like uh, anvils and cart axles and all this stuff. So this company had been around for like literally like nine hundred years. It was like a monastery for a while. They were mining. And then eventually it got bought out by the Dana Corporation in the 90s and sort of dissolved. But uh, there for a while, they made forklift axles and, and the center section or the differential was was particular to those. And then they sort of made wider special axles for the Land Rover applications. But it, it's it's a weird, just such an obscure Land Rover, but it's interesting to see one come up for sale. You might wait 20 yeah. years and not see one come up for sale. So, Well, that being said, do you think under just under 200? Was a fair price? Like, did you think it was going to sell for more? Like, I thought it would sell for less, to be honest. You know, I don't know how many people want one of those. It's probably more, it's apparently more now than wanted them originally, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's just, uh, it's an odd thing. And what do you use it for? You know, you must have like a big property or something to drive it around on or have it part of a, a permanent collection somewhere just as an obscure vehicle. So it, it's it's not a one for the the pedestrian Land Rover collector. It's it's a real right. you got to be a real hardcore enthusiast yeah. to to a afford it and b mm -hmm. you know house it and keep it and and use it. And beside yeah. yours, Ike here in the uh, United States, is there another one here in the U.S.? I know there's there's two you can go and see in the in the U.K. You could go and see one the yeah. Dunsfold collection, or you could see the British Mo yeah. uh, British Motor Heritage Museum. But is there another one here? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know of another one here in the U.S. As far as I know, there was only ever one sent here, and it uh, ended up in the Canadian Forestry yeah. Service. So there's there's rumors that another one was built from parts here in the U.S., but it hasn't. It was built like a Sasquatch. Went, there's another one that's it's seen. Right. There's some blurry <laughs> photo with yeah, it driving you, slowly in the background. You're not just some video. It's out of focus. You don't know. Yeah, you hear yeah. about sightings, but uh, no, yeah. to my yeah. knowledge, there is not another one. You just hear it in the woods, slowly clinking there, along. You're like, what is 
There's a collector in South America that has one. Mm-hmm. There's one in Scotland. Mm-hmm. There's Phil's at Dun- the Dunsville yeah, Interim Museum. There's this one that came up for sale. Uh, there's one that was scrapped. I mean, they're all pretty much known where they went and what they are. So everybody knows exactly who has what. You know, the ironic thing is, I think there's more running uh, forest rovers than there are North American uh, freelanders. So, you know, uh, I'm just saying, just saying, I think there's something, I think there's something to that. Uh, Well, and at that, Dan, what, uh, what was your, uh, was your pick this year? So mine actually is kind of predictable. There was a 1993 Campbell Trophy uh, Defender that sold on Bring a Trailer that was authenticated actually yes. ran in races, has yes. a lot of provenance to it. So, you know, we all love Land Rovers. And so, you know, as a kid, that's kind of what we were all drawn to. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever a legitimate uh, Camel Trophy comes up, I, I get pretty excited. And, um, you know, this one closed out at almost 130 grand. I almost thought it was going to go for a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but it hit had had some alterations over the years, which in my opinion, kind of takes away from, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the history and the bumps and bruises that one expects, yeah. you know, it had a rollover um, and then that was repaired by mm-hmm. expect the rollover, you know, mm-hmm. in the Campbell Trophy. Oh yeah, if they haven't been rolled, then you don't have a good one. Then you, <laughs> then you know it wasn't actually in, you know, in a Camel Trophy. And of yeah. course it has, uh, it's a 93, so I read the 200, which, mm-hmm. as you both know, is my favorite mm-hmm. um, Land Rover engine. So, you know, to me, that was probably my favorite uh, pick this year. There were a couple other ones that I thought were pretty hilarious, but um, mm-hmm. I think this one was. Do you know off the top of your mind what what year, what um, where the 93 Camel Trophy was held? Uh, so in, in 93, it was in Sabah, Malaysia. Oh, I've been there many times. Yep. Yeah, that's actually God. where my discovery is from. I almost bought that car before it went on Brig a Trailer that that uh, one ten, but uh, ultimately this, this uh, one, this one, this that one. I just yeah, I know the I know really? the seller quite quite well, and I I almost bought it a couple of times, and uh, he sort of he sort of said, okay, well, I'm going to put it online. So if uh, if you don't if you don't want it, then you you gotta let me know. And I said, oh, yeah, no, I don't think because so, it's a matching car to my discovery. But uh, but yeah, unfortunately, too much money spent on the stupid Freelander. So I just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, couldn't Did you uh, do you regret not buying it now that you've seen it sell? I regret not buying anything that I've ever wanted. But uh, but I uh, you know I, I don't know I don't know. I actually you know what? Funny enough, I I didn't buy it because uh, Ike had uh, had found a particularly uh, incredible uh, not a six cylinder my uh, it's my fault my, uh, my yeah fault. it's it's uh, it's his what we lovingly refer to as Ted uh, my uh, 109 uh, not a six cylinder and uh, so I honestly think that uh, you know I will uh, I'll use that car and do quite a bit more and uh, and it is uh, in a you know in a sense as a lot of my cars are or North American uh, spec cars let's say if, if I guess there's a theme to anything that I collect I guess it's it's not a cars. And so, you know, eh, you know, had to be one or the other. And I've already got one Camel Trophy truck. And, uh, you know, I do want a Defender eventually. But uh, there's also something like not sporting about uh, about, you know, having somebody calling you and saying it's already here in the United States. And I can just I can just send it to you. It's no big deal. It's quite something different if you have to, like, find it in a barn in southern France, and uh, you know, right. to get it over here. There's a, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, you know, I, so I guess maybe it's not as uh, 
it wasn't as sporting of a hunt maybe uh or something but uh but yeah no it's a, it's an incredible car and i agree with you dan i think any any time you see a camel trophy uh truck a, a real one uh on sale anywhere it's always exciting and you you get to sort of see the dialogue of uh you know usually the folks that participated in that year's events will come and they'll comment and they'll you know it's just a neat it's just kind of a neat thing to watch right it's yeah. uh yeah. And it's uh, it's fun. And, and I, I, you know, I've, I've said before that, you know, for me, the Camel Trophy here, you know, in Canada was something we couldn't compete in. We didn't sell Camel cigarettes. So no, no Camel Trophy for Canada. So uh, it was never something I was going to be able to do uh, growing up. But uh, it's uh, it was something that you sort of aspire to. Right. And what a, what a yeah. neat event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having one and sitting inside of it and all that sort of stuff, I sort of liken it to my uh, my wife, Liza, went to uh, space camp, obviously. She's not going to be an astronaut. Uh, she's a little bit too short to fly a fighter jet in Canada, and so that means you're pretty much out of the <laughs> out of the running to be an astronaut. Um, but uh, you know, for me, the 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 Camel Trophy truck is a little bit of like it's it's a little bit of my space camp, right? It's it's been there. It's uh it's seen the mud. It's had the real folks in it, and uh, so it's yeah, it's just a pretty neat thing to to have and to share. Now, uh, of course, I aspire to have a Camel Trophy vehicle. Yes, what's that one? Uh, there's only one that I want, though, and it, it was the one that burned down when the journalist was making a grilled cheese inside of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one to get. There's a great picture of that one in, in Dimbleby's book of the uh, of the yeah. of the burned out camel truck. I, I, I think you need to share a little bit more about that because that that I don't know if that's as well known in Sarasota. Uh, I don't remember think. what year it was. Uh, what what year was that, Ike? I don't remember what year it was either. I just remember hearing that uh, a journalist burned one of them down yeah. while he was like yeah. making a grilled cheese inside the car. He was a grilled cheese sandwich plate, in the so. back seat, I think, right? And set the upholstery on yeah. fire. And because of the upholstery fire, the entire car caught fire and burned to the ground. Yeah. So I imagine that was left when whatever it was, they just left it, they just abandoned it. It's probably yeah, still there. there was, uh, yeah, there's some pretty hilarious, uh, you know, there's some pretty you know, uh, Bob Ives and those folks that were around the event for so many years, like have such great stories of, uh, you know, of all of the crazy things that, uh, you know, these essentially amateur drivers, right? Like these folks weren't, yeah, you know, they're not yeah. professional off-road drivers. And so all kinds of, and I mean, I think that, you know, the British teams, the American teams, Germans, they had a fairly rigorous competition locally to send someone to the actual event. But some of these smaller countries was really kind of, <laughs> Well, who wants to go? <laughs> you know, there yeah. wasn't a big, there wasn't a, a lot of competition. So you had some pretty wide <laughs> variants of, of folks that were, uh, that were there. So yeah, no, I, I think that's a, um, I think that's a really, uh, that's a really interesting, uh, that's a really interesting car and it's a great event. And yeah, there you go. You know, that's a tribute camel to make, uh, I, the burned down journalist grilled cheese one. Yeah. We could probably, we could up. make that one out of yours. Yeah, was well, it? yeah. Let's just make a grilled cheese in it, and then it would, yeah, it, it would be that. Was it a disco? Because I've got one in Spain uh, yeah. that's a couple steps away from that. I'm pretty Perfect. sure it was a disco. I'm pretty sure um, it was. It was one of the discoveries, yeah. I think. When I go back, I'm just going to make some grilled cheese in the... Yeah, it could be very <laughs> careful, though. Very careful. They, had, they tend to catch right. fire. Yeah. Let's yeah. hear what you want to... Let's hear your favorite of the year, Steve. Okay, well, my favorite is actually one that was uh, that was featured uh, on a, a great podcast, uh, Rover Talk. If you haven't heard it, you really should. Uh, it was a car that was sold here in uh in los angeles a, a wood and picket range rover uh mm -hmm. that was like without question the stupidest and most awesome <laughs> car i have ever seen i love i love goosebumps i love that oh, one. oh love I that just, one 
And it's funny because I was looking at it and the same week you guys put your show out and you guys are talking about it and just made me want it so much more uh, because they are, they're so different. And like, it's, it's really, and you guys talk about this, but it's, it's really an acquired taste, right? Like you don't yeah. immediately look at one of those cars and say, oh, wow, that's a, that's a massive improvement on the original. You look at it and you sort of, you're not sure exactly what, but then you keep looking at it and you're like, yes. this is really like, this is really cool. Like, yeah. you know what? I actually, I like the way they've done the dash and I, I like the, I mean, the grill is, and you start just sort of falling in love with it. And then at some point you're like, I mean, I, maybe I gotta, I don't know, maybe I'm going to buy this. Thing. I don't, I don't maybe, know. And maybe I should, maybe I should. And then, you, you know, it's, yeah. And I, I didn't uh, for whatever, I don't even know why. Cause I don't, what did that sell for? Dan? it wasn't a huge amount of money. Was it? It wasn't. I think it was bad. in the forties. Yeah. It was in the forties. And is that, do you think that's about what those cars are worth? I don't really know. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen another one for sale in that sort of venue. Maybe there's been one. I I don't know. The oddity is that, A, that it actually made it to the States, for one. Right. And then the fact that no one one even touched, like, the steering wheel or, like, staying in the car, which which was just so bizarre that, that it came to us looking like that and then in the uk there everybody knows what a wooden picking is in the uk if you grew up in the 70s and 80s and Mm -hmm. um so it probably would have done uh just as well if not better um over there it's just weird that it was such a survivor that was actually in the states yeah it just made it over here yeah and it's i mean and, and and for anyone who hasn't seen uh, you know, a wooden picket ran, uh, Range Rover, uh, you know, tons of pictures of them online. They did convertibles before there was a Range Rover convertible. They did they did six wheels for a little while. Is that right? Or they, yeah. they did a version of a six. I don't know if they did the six wheel or they took a, you know, a six wheel and converted. But they're, I mean, I like to describe them as like a 1980s, like yacht, but Range Rover, <laughs> yeah. you know? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They're just they have so like good. a little cubby in the back for your Falcon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Stick them in there. It's, well, that, it's instead it's of cup holders, it's got Falcon holders. Falcon holders. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't know. I don't know if this one actually sold, but there was also one that that I don't remember. I, it might have. I don't remember where I saw it, but there was an uh, another another original Range Rover Classic from the '83 that was a police uh, surveillance vehicle. Mm, yes. I don't yes, know if you yes, where yes. see a brown one with yeah. you know, blacked out rear and, and all, the, all the radio equipment very inconspicuous of course they do some pilots and a classic range rover that's brown it's interesting yeah there's been some weird cars uh sold another one that uh uh that i uh that i had a, a note about was of course the the camel trophy truck speaking of camel trophy trucks that was uh, impounded by the canadian government and uh, and recently uh really so i think that only sold for i did it sell it was about around eighteen thousand dollars or something last time i looked at it i don't know what the final what the final number for it was, but it was not, I mean, it was not, it didn't, it wasn't a hundred thousand dollars. That's, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, we did find the guy uh, who purchased it and the gentleman who's going to restore it uh, for him. We've been in sort of light contact with those uh, two and uh, would, uh, would love to, we're trying to get them on the show to, to sort of talk about it more. Cause it's just such a, like, what a weird story that, that, uh, how did it like, I, you know, who knows how it ended up there, but uh I uh, was chatting after it sold with uh, with our good buddy uh, Will Hendrick, and uh, he has 
any number of theories about maybe how it ended up there and how they were going to get it registered and all of this sort of stuff. But that was that was a, a little bit bizarre. Apparently, it had been sitting there for like three and a half years or something too, like just out in the oh. yard so long that you can actually see it on Google uh, Earth or Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, if you if you go to that scrapyard or whatever it is and you look at yeah. the Google, it's sitting there in the yard like, oh, that's oh, that's yeah. not good. You don't want it to be outside long enough to get satellite photos. Yeah, you can do a time lapse and you can see the buildings being built around it. (laughs) And the the gutters and the discovery just start to fold in on themselves. (laughs) Yeah, that's never a good sign. Yeah, that's never a good sign. But hey, you know, the best of luck to them to restoring that. It's a Japanese team car, really neat. Uh, You know, like it's it's cool to have a team car. It's, uh, you know great deal now you could probably put another sixty thousand dollars into that car i imagine and and still come out uh you know with it with a car that you could actually sell now i and to your point i don't think that's a car that's going to get uh you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something because it's yeah it, it is going to need extensive extensive restoration just to make it safe to be inside of forget about really driving or registering it but once that's done, I mean, that's really neat. It's a it's a cool car. You know, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, especially if they can track down the story to it. You know, if you have like, if you can actually track the timeline of everything that happened to it, then it might, it might be a little oh, bit higher value. So cool. I mean, just so amazing. And even, I, you know, and I, I hopefully they're going to restore it and they're going to use it and they're going to love it. And, uh, you know, maybe they could get those, uh, you know, whoever those Japanese drivers are to, uh, you know, sort of give them some backstory. I, it's, it'd, be, it'd be fantastic. A neat project. It's a very, it's, it's a very cool project. So, what are some things uh, looking forward? What are some what are some cars that you guys think are the ones to watch in twenty three? What are some uh, some models that you think are getting hot, or or maybe some some specialty things that are coming up that you guys know about? We have a, a betting pool going here at the shop as to exactly what date you will give up on the Freelander and sell it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I get in on that pool? That's right. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yeah, that's right. That's that's worth uh, that's worth probably an internet. That's a Patreon uh, special there for sure. We can let everybody get in on that. You know, I, my uh, my patience for uh, absurd uh, and expensive projects. Uh, it knows no bounds. It knows no bounds. We'll, we'll see. Have. I think the and I know this is maybe newer for you guys, but I, I still think the. The Mark II, all three two twos is still mm-hmm. going to continue to escalate in value. Recently, we've seen, and this just may be a bring a trailer anomaly, but like 405s are are gaining in momentum as far mm-hmm. as value there, especially the 2013s. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm always optimistic that series will you know, can you to, you know, creep up? We've been Mm -hmm. kind of at that plateau where like good ones are all in that 30, 40 range and Mm -hmm. rarely does anything go above 50. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm hoping that like, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with that because uh, I think, and and Steve and I have talked about this before, the really good cars almost Mm -hmm. never turn up online for sale. So the ones that you're seeing for like 50 grand, are really just sort of the mediocre ones, you know, yeah. sort of the, the average ones are like 20 or 30, the medium ones are like, you know, and, and I said medium and average, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the little bit better ones are 50, but they're really good cars usually trade between like friends and uh, family members. You, you don't mm-hmm. often see them actually turn up on bring a trailer. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's one of the reasons I think that's skewed. To your point, I would never, like, I, I well, I would never sell mine because right. I don't think I'll ever find one that's as perfectly patinaed mm -hmm. as mine. And mm -hmm. they, they just, cool. they don't show up, like yep. you said, unless Ivan goes, you know, I got a friend who's thinking about getting rid of, you know, yeah. a series, you want to buy it. It's like, to me, a lot of times auction sites are your, Unless you're a dealer, it's almost your last resort unless you yeah. really think you're going to get a ton of money for your right. vehicle. It's almost a last resort. As Land Rover people, we all know people that are willing to pony up if it's a good Land Rover. You yep. know what I mean? So, yep. That's right. Or it's a rare car or it sort of fits a specific uh, niche or something. Yeah, and you... You know, and, and Ike and I have talked about it before. You sort of stock the people that have the cars that you want 100%. as well. You know? yeah. You're sort of, you're <laughs> sort of I, I know of a G4, uh, G4 uh, Range Rover, uh, for instance, that's, uh, a, you know, an L223 Range Rover that, uh, you know, at, at, at some point I'll get that car. You know, it's a learner maybe, but hopefully not. It hopefully it doesn't come to that. But, uh, but it, you know, yeah, you know the cars that uh, that you want. You kind of know where they are, and you keep in touch with those people. And uh, yeah, but it's uh, you know, it's one of those things, right? Where you're sort of stocky. So, what do you guys think? What's a model that is about to become a really hot car, but you could still get it right now at a reasonable amount? You could keep it for a few years. You could restore. You do whatever, and it's it's about to be something that is going to start really gaining in value in the Land Rover family. In the Land Rover, well, or or yeah. or otherwise. I mean, you know, if this is the time to buy that Honda Pony, then uh, you know, good, good to know. You know, it's it's all the cars that Dan and Ivan are thinking about selling. So, so where where I'm seeing a lot of up and coming demand is in the Discoveries and Range Rovers that had the 300 TDI and the five speed manual. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind that there were, you know, there were two door discos and four door discos that had the 300 TDI, but that only started for, for the European market or rest of the world market in 94 with right. a, a version of the soft dash without airbags most of the time. And the same goes for the Range Rover and the scope of these cars. Well, the Range Rover classic was only 94, 95 and a few 96s that were carried over while the P38, while people were still discovering that the P38 they hadn't had head gasket problems. Yeah, yeah. Quite yet. <laughs> haven't had them Most yet. Yeah, <laughs> haven't had them yet. That was before they were so, made. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, those are cars that I think are attainable right now. But I think in five, six, seven years, they're going to be worth a lot more because there's only two or two or three years, and especially one that doesn't doesn't seem to be super popular or people aren't really picking up on it, which is the two door uh, Discovery with 300 TDI and the five speed manual. Which is um, it's a great right, car, right? Fantastic yeah. car. Mm -hmm. um, it's got the R three eighty. I mm -hmm. mean, they're they're you know the the look is still even though there was a sort of a facelift from nineteen. There was like a like an eighty nine to ninety four looked a little bit different than ninety four to ninety eight. So it's still a right. Gen one in general rest you know in general considered mm -hmm. Gen one. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. those are and the other thing I see. More and more in higher prices for Santanas, which I'm very right. fond of yeah. because I grew yeah. up in Spain. Of course. Um, yeah. So I see more and more Santanas coming to the US. I see higher prices mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I see, you know, not only coming from Spain, but also coming from South America. So that's something that shows up in the market that I think if you don't want to pony up a whole lot of money for a really good 
um, UK series, solo series rover, then, you know, for some reason, the market it works a little bit different for Santana's. But well, and they have some really interesting, you know, sort of like the series four and, the, you know, those sort of like where Sully Hull had sort of stopped series kind of development and, and kind of moved into starting to make 90s and then eventually defenders and things. Uh, they have some really interesting transition models in the sense like those those ones that are really different from, uh, you know, from the same, you know, from the contemporary Land Rovers are really neat. Uh, you know, I have a couple of friends that have a few Santanas and that's sort of what they collect. And there are some really interesting models in there, you know, the, the Ligero, uh, the Ligero, ADA, yeah, the Spesta, yeah. that, th those cars are ridiculously cool in person. Yeah. yeah those were, wacky. those were actually, those are, those are the Nikedo with the lightweight version. So, mm -hmm. well, you know, later I was making lightweight and, and Minerva was making those in Belgium, Spain decided, yep. oh, we need to make one of those. So right. they just kind of adapted and it's actually turned out really cool. You, actually, in Spain, they've kind of become beach buggy cars. So you see them a lot on the coast, and and uh, all these, uh, you know, like like beach bars um, in the in the towns. They have them so that you don't have to drive yourself while you're drunk to the bar. So they just go to like the different spots and pick you up and take you from one bar to another. And they're actually pretty cool. I don't know if a lot of people are like Ike. You obviously know what they are, and and of course you just Steve and Dan. But I don't know if they're known enough i think people might see them and say probably ask you know what is this what is that, yeah, yeah, what yeah. Is that? Yeah. but that's yeah, cool I, it's great to have a car that nobody knows what it is and you can kind of tell them the story and you sort of fill them in on oh it's this thing it's sort of it's this little transitional I, thing i've yeah. seen some uh social media posts uh several different people posting the uh, santana 2000s too which are mm -hmm. kind of the wacky mm -hmm. forward control variant mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. uh oh that's... those they're kind of interesting. Yeah. They have a just a huge panel, so like from, yep. from from the middle of the car back. You know, it's yeah. it's like even longer than a one hundred and nine pickup panel because mm -hmm. it's a cab forward design. And it, mm -hmm. but it's a unibody. You know, most of the forward controls that were sold in the UK are like a cab with a bed mm -hmm. on the back of it, and so they're separate pieces. But the Santana two thousand is like all one piece, like a fleet side that's like five miles long. <laughs> Those things are so wacky. They're really interesting. Yeah, you drive by that car for like three and a half minutes. Yeah, it's. A, I want to see uh, somebody cool import one of those. Those are neat. Yeah, well, super you cool. know, believe it or not, I was actually offered one about three weeks ago. Oh and wow! The thing is, I just, I can't even find anybody. I I don't know much about that model per se, mm -hmm. and and of course, I I I don't want to get into what like Steve does because I could very easily get into that and say, oh, I'm gonna, and then <laughs> then figure the rest out later. I think you should. I think it's just, Buy first and then sort it all out. You know, you figure it out eventually. It's uh, yeah. just keep stuffing them in there until you, you know, yeah, there's one in there somewhere. Uh, I do that yeah, more often than not. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, they're, 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 those are really, they're just really wacky. And yeah. And I don't, I, I, I don't know if there's parts for them. I don't know what, what running gear they're, they're actually, how they're built. Or it's kind of, it's very hard to find information on anything um, San, Santana. Because Santana didn't document anything. There's like no yeah, records right. left of anything. Kind of <laughs> not, not a lot. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah. one thing that I like about them is that they're very rovery. You know, they have that rover shape. The Ligero, mm -hmm. it is uh, not very rovery. It's all flat, you know, faceted construction. And so when you look at it, you don't necessarily, you're sure there's some Landover elements to it, but you could very yeah. easily see that being made by another manufacturer, you mm -hmm. know, but mm -hmm. the, the Santana 2000, it it ha incorporates all those 
you know, hips in the body work and galvanized cappings in the pickup cab and everything. It's just so Land Rover-y unmistakable, but it's way different. It's like all the pieces got mixed up in a blender and it came out. It was. It came out like the fly at the end of the transporter, you know. Like it's, it's like it's just a little wrong, but it's still yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, but it's right. Yeah, but it feels right. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, I, I agree. So, so guys, what's uh, what's in store for you guys in uh, in twenty twenty three? Have you got any uh, any interesting projects in the go? Any uh, any interesting trips? Are we going to find me a two door Range Rover in Spain? Oh, I have one. I have one. I have a really. I have a really good one. And Mission I'll tell you, accomplished. It's, really, it's really good because I drove it okay. for like 150 miles and it did not break down. Well, that's, there you go. But it's, and then but it'll, it's gas. It's a two-door gas, five-speed yeah. manual. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, then it might be registrable in California. So there you go. Not that well, I would, but you you could maybe. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll text you when it's here. It's Colorado. Okay, so yeah, let me know. Cool let me know. I'll let you know. <laughs> I have a very good friend that, that, um, that runs a non-for-profit organization called Endured to Cure. And what they do is that they uh, help and assist uh, families that have children with cancer. And they give them not only assistance on, you know, the regular things, but also navigating, you know, the medical system. And they give them experiences. You know, they'll take them, they have a box at, at, at Wrigley Field and they, you know, they want to kind of get you out of that cycle that a lot of people unfortunately have to go through in that. So yeah. I decided that there's a there's an event called the Santana Trophy, which is run in, in Morocco for a week. Mm -hmm. um, basically non-competitive, but very navigation-based. And I've enlisted a friend of mine that, that runs a shop in Spain that does restorations. And we are going to uh, run that in a 1982 uh, Series 388 that's kind of got some weird Santana touches to it. We'll, I'm sure we'll feature that. Right on. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the Santana Trophy is designed to it, it basically they'll allow anything that is pre-1990 series or Defender 80, 90, whatever it is that you've got. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just a just a uh, something done so that people can enjoy their rovers in, in Morocco, which has always been kind of like the European playground for off-roading. So, so cool. we'll be, I'll be running so that in the end of uh, April. Yeah. Yes. And uh, of course, the objective of it is to survive. Right. One. Don't um you know, maybe break down two or three times a day max. Yeah, yeah. You keep it in the in the low teens and you'll be fine. Yeah. Low ah, teens. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then we will bring the car back to Spain because obviously that, and we're going to ship it over here and uh, probably either Cars and Bids or bring a trailer is going to auction it off and everything that we can get um, from sponsorships to donations to the, the you know, whatever, whatever benefit comes from that car will go to Endure the Cure. So if anybody wants Great. to... Help us out Fantastic. and 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 uh, uh, donate. If you want to donate parts, you want to donate money. You want to donate directly to them. You want to you want us to do some 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 promotion of some sort. We're open to all sorts of ideas because it's all going in the same exact spot, which is uh, this uh, endure the cure. That's fantastic. Well, right let on. us. Uh, I can either the uh, underpowered hour be the uh, the first to say we'll absolutely sponsor in uh, in some way. We're happy to help out. Uh, we'll at the very least get you a tiny Ike for uh, the side of that thing. And, uh, oh, that's and, necessary. Uh, ho hopefully a lot more. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully a lot more. Well, that's super cool. And, uh, looking very forward to, uh, hearing about that on your show and, uh, certainly love to have you, uh, you back to talk about that. And, uh, it, listen, it's been super fun sort of chatting about the market. And, uh, yeah. I think we should do this more often unless this show gets zero listens, in which case we'll never do this again. 
but, uh, <laughs> but I, have, I have a feeling it'll probably do okay. Um, and so, yeah, man, we should, we should do this more often for sure. But thanks guys for your time. We really appreciate it. We appreciate yeah, your insight you. and, uh, but, you know, we love your show. And uh, certainly if you haven't uh, listened to Rover talk, I can't understand why you're listening to the show and you haven't listened to Rover talk. But if you haven't, for some reason, then uh, please head over and uh, download that show. Listen to it. It is fantastic. Dan and Ivan's knowledge on market of Land Rovers and the trips to Spain and, uh, you know, winterizing your car to uh, drive it around in Chicago is absolutely without compare. And uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate, you know, everything you guys do for the uh, the Land Rover podcasting universe. Yes. Well, thanks again, guys. Have a, uh, have a wonderful uh, holiday season. Uh, good luck well. prepping for the uh, event. Uh, uh, Dan, good luck uh, winterizing all those cars. And uh, <laughs> you guys stay warm out there, and uh, and we'll hopefully talk to you uh, very soon. All yes. Right. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you. Happy holidays. All right. Well, it's always great to uh, to talk to uh, Ivan and Dan. I will probably have to buy that two-door Range Rover from Ivan at some point. It's just how it is. I have a, uh, you know, a, a compulsion to uh to purchase i actually it sounds like that car might run and drive properly though which is sort of not really my style i like to get something that is almost guaranteed to cost 15 times its purchase price in repairs after i immediately after i purchase it that's sort of uh, if my collection has one theme it's maybe it's that i learned a lot of in this episode and uh i feel confident without any expertise to spend a lot of money online on a car that i've never seen before yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely well it just goes to show you that anytime you're online and uh, you see something uh, you know it's uh, you get that uh, you know you get the fever you get the it's so easy the to tingle. click it's so easy to click yeah. And then the next oh, thing you know, so there's easy. a Freelander in your driveway. So just, you know, click responsibly. <laughs> you know, that's all we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Support your local Land Rover shop. Buy online Land Rovers. All right. Well, this is the uh, the first of what is a trio of uh, of underpowered hour holiday season episodes. Uh, we've got uh, the Favorite Things episode uh, coming out here uh, in the next uh, week or so where uh, we've all gone through and we've uh, collected. Well, we're in the process of going through and collecting uh, our favorite uh, things, Linus, uh, Jenna, Liza, you and I, we're all going to we're all going to uh, make a list of our of our favorite things. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the holiday clip show. Well, I can Jenna are off in the uh, in the desert. Uh, Liza and I are going to do a recap of all of our favorite shows, excerpts from uh, from the whole year. What a, and what a year it was. Holy moly. All kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, happens. man. It's going to be like an advent calendar. And behind every door is just axle crease. It's going to be. Amazing. It's just at a nipple. Just it's just somebody's just standing back there waiting for you to. I'm gonna, like, that's a. It was a trick. There's a nipple in there. Yeah, exactly. Now that's uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So, uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. I hopefully your desert prep uh, is going well, getting ready for the big trip. How's the dormobile uh, running? Is it all all ready to go? You know, we've spent the last two weeks just getting the mildew smell out of uh, out of the car from last the last trip. Probably two weeks more of mildew smell. Two weeks more to go before <laughs> that's uh, basically where it is now. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. It's fine. It's just like every old camper, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll have to look. We'll look forward to the uh, recap of the big uh, desert uh, extravaganza um, in the new year. And uh, all right. Well, it's uh, it's been a slice as always, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right. See you soon. Bye. The 
Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.